I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's Bucks Rams on Monday Night Football, another big game between these two franchises. The Bucks, however, lost Ali Marpet for a third straight game with a concussion. We'll discuss that. And the Saints, Taysom Hill makes his first start at quarterback and wins over Atlanta. Why not Jameis Winston? Hunter Renfro is DFA'd by the Rays, and we the South as the Toronto Raptors come to Tampa. We've got all that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, folks, you know Old Northeast Jewelers. They have two locations. The original store, of course, is still on 4th Street in St. Pete, and now they have a brand-new store in Hyde Park. The address is 1607 West Swan Avenue in beautiful Hyde Park Village in Tampa. Now, don't forget, Old Northeast Jewelers has online consultations, and they have free delivery to your door for jewelry, rings, and luxury watches. And if you need money for the holidays, well, Old Northeast Jewelers is always buying fine jewelry and luxury watches, and you can trade in the piece you have for something brand new. That's Old Northeast Jewelers, two locations, the original store on 4th Street in St. Pete, and now at 1607 West Swan Avenue in Hyde Park Village. All right, Steve, it's one more time on Monday Night Football. The Bucks against the Rams. These two franchises have gone at it for some really, really important games. Of course, two NFC Championship games lost by the Bucks in 79 and then back in 99 that we can talk about, as well as some other great games on Monday Night Football. Not so good on Monday night or Sunday night or Thursday night has been the Bucks, And, uh, you know, they've got to turn that around. We, we had to go to a, a couple of night practices this week. I got to be honest with you. There's a part of me, and I don't root or, or root against the team. There's a part of me that I feel like, hey, if this works out, that means every time they play on prime time, they're going to be practicing at night, and I don't really need that. But um, there they were at Raymond James Stadium on Friday night, and then Saturday night they were indoors at the uh, at the facility. Um, so we'll see if that has a factor or not. I think you just have to play better, to be honest with you. But not so good news is on the offensive line, and this is maybe not the game to have this happen again, but Ali Marpet for the third straight game is going to be out with a concussion. This is getting scary, even for Ali and for his family. I can tell you that. And talking to some people close to Ali, they're they're worried and should be. Um, you know, he practiced a little bit last week and then um, practiced on Thursday. They gave him Friday night off. You know, it just – I mean, in some ways, almost these tests that they do after each practice the next morning are almost more, you know, more problematic than the practices themselves. But they just wanted to let them let things calm down a bit. And then he went out there on Saturday, and he was limited. But by the time you get to Saturday, even when you're playing Monday Night Football, I mean, you want to give your reps to your starters. And so, as Bruce Arians told us on the Zoom call, you know, it was kind of a catch-22. He was going to be out there, um, but they were still going to have to prepare to play and and that meant, you know, um, having A.Q. Shipley play center and, you know, Ryan Jensen moving back to left guard, which is the way they went against Carolina. So, you know, Marpet wasn't going to do much. 
Um, and they had him listed as doubtful on Saturday. Then on Sunday, they made it clear to us that he was indeed out for the game. So Ali Marpet will not be playing again. And and that's this is not necessarily the game you want to you don't want to be at full strength because we know how good that Rams defense is. I think they're fourth in the league uh, against the run. And of course, you know, anytime you have Aaron Donald playing interior defensive line, that's that's a load. Um, so this is this is not a, a good situation for the Bucks. Although I'm sure they feel way more confident after you know having watched um, this change actually work out against Carolina. Ronald Jones ran for 192 yards. He had that 98 yard touchdown run, and Jensen uh, really had the key block to spring him. But I I just think that this is a uh, you know it's going to be problematic. They're going to have to win the line of scrimmage, and it sounds simplistic you should say that about every game but uh, it's really true against this Rams defense I I would be a little concerned for Tom Brady um, the way that you know he was hit by New Orleans uh, on that Monday night game that they're trying to erase it could be a very similar situation if um, you know if they don't hold up on the offensive line yeah I mean that was always look that was the weak spot of this team we thought going into the season I mean we knew the, the look the, all the talent they had on the offensive side of the ball Sure. Um, although I think the running game has probably been maybe a little bit better than we anticipated, as mm-hmm. Ronald Jones is, is shown to be better, and we didn't anticipate Leonard Fournette being a part of this team. At the, right. You know, you're going kind of going into the season, so uh, you know. But the offensive line, there wasn't a ton of depth there, and we saw that. You know, when Marpet went out initially, and Joe Hagfield in left guard, and granted, it was against the Saints, who are pretty good defensively, and and they didn't do very well last week. I thought they did a lot better when um, you moved Jensen over to center or from center to, to guard to fill that hole. And you're going to have to do that again this week. And right. look, the Rams may be the best defense in football. I, I think, it, you know, if you look statistically, it it's probably them or the Steelers. Yeah. Uh, if you go into points against, Steelers are a little bit better um, as they've played 10 games now. Uh, they've given up more points, but the Rams have one less game so far. So you got to hope that um, Jensen and, and, you know, the offensive line can hold up against Aaron Donald, who's the best defensive tackle in football. And then, you know, the rest of that defense, which is legit. Yeah, of course, Rams are in the NFC West, and they're tied right now, um, or trying to become Mm -hmm. tied with Seattle um, Mm -hmm. after Seattle and the Cardinals play. The Cardinals lost. So this is a key game in in many aspects. It's going to really have an impact on on not just the division, which the Bucs are trying to keep pace, and, and the Saints did beat the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday. But, you know, this could become a wild card situation where both teams if the Rams are unable to win the NFC West, say Seattle wins it or somebody else, um, you're going to be looking at a wild card. And the first tiebreaker, of course, is head-to-head. So you definitely want to try to get the Rams if you're the Bucks, so that you can have that um, in, in your favor in case it comes down to the to the final wild card. Um, the, the Bucks were helped a little bit on Sunday in, in terms of either the division or the wild card, sort of the way things fell. Um, you know, a lot of teams lost that uh, – that frankly would have you know benefited um, for them, um, but I, I think it's still. Look, I wrote about this on Sunday. I think the whole season is the, are these two games, and and the reason I say that is because they're not better than the Saints. I think they have proven that the best team in the NFC South is New Orleans, and New Orleans won with their backup quarterback, not even the guy that came in in for Drew Brees last week, but Taysom Hill, and we'll get we'll get onto him in just a minute, but. When you lose twice to the champs and and convincingly in the second game, um, you're not you're not really deserving of of being the division champion unless unless 
you can win these two games, including against the Super Bowl champs, um, and if you win these two and go on and finish with a better record than the Saints, now you feel like, okay, we've earned it. You know, yeah, we lost to them twice during the regular season, but, um, you know, we, we pretty much ran the table, which is sort of, it, it's a little bit what Bruce Arians has told his team is that we're in playoff mode now, you know. So from that standpoint, that's how important this is. I really think, Steve, this is a coach's game. This, you know, as much as players play the game and players determine the game, you've got Tom Brady, you know, versus Jared Goff. I mean, you've got all these weapons on the Rams, um, obviously, and and then the Bucks, you know, with three pole roll wide receivers and Gronkowski and all these all these guys. But listen, I I kind of felt like the Bucks have been out coached by Sean Payton this year. In some respects, they didn't do a very good job in Chicago coaching, and they lost that game. Sean McVay is as good as there is in football, and he's got a young defensive coordinator who's now doing a terrific job. And, you know, if you're Byron Lefwich, yeah, you just handled the Carolina Panthers. You had the perfect game, right? You spread the ball around, but they had 80 plays, so everybody, everybody contributed. Everybody had six, seven, eight catches, whatever. Uh, they ran the ball for a ton of yards. And you can do that when you dominate to that extent. You know what? Carolina, not very good football team, especially defensively. I know they shut out the Detroit Lions, but that's more about the Lions on Sunday. Um, and this is a totally different step up in class. And for as much trouble as Sean McVay causes you um, with his offense, with all the motion, um, you know, the spread option, the ability to uh, to run the ball and create big spaces for guys, that's that's going to be problematic for the Bucks defense, and you know, again, offensively, I don't. I think what the Bucks want to do is throw the football. That seems to be what they do best. They they're trying to strive for balance, and they got it against Carolina. But you're not going to manhandle this defensive front. I mean, this is a really good defense with Michael Brockers. Um, it's not just Aaron Donald. You know, mm-hmm. um, they've they've got what uh, you know a really good linebacking core. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, you know, the team they scored 55 on that they hung a double nickel, that is not the same defense. Wade Phillips is gone. I mean, it, it is a totally different unit. So on both sides of the ball, I'm really anxious to see what do the Bucks do because this defense of the Rams does not play into the Bucks' strength. They're going to play cover two. They're going to play a lot of zone. They're not going to let you force the ball, throw the ball down the field. Is 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 Byron Leffich going to be patient enough to let let Tom Brady takes take what is there, or is he going to try to continue to force the ball down the field, sort of like we saw against the Saints? And if he does that and he gets hit a lot, it's going to be a really bad game again. So I really think this is all about coaching this game, and it might be too simplistic because they both have good players. I mean, you can't say the Bucks don't have as talented a roster as anybody in football. Yeah, I think you have to approach this more like you're playing the Saints than the Panthers. And, and you know, right. kind of what you said right. is that they're going to get a pass rush. They're going to be in your backfield. If, if every yeah. throw is a seven-step drop waiting for guys to clear 15 yards down the field, you're dead. I don't think you're yeah. going to be very successful. Right, uh, right. You know, particularly with probably your best offensive lineman out. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say Ali Marpet was playing the best this season. He was. And so, you know, I, I look for – look, it's time for Leftwich and, and the Bucks to make adjustments is, mm-hmm. you know – that if Brady gets – and we've known this ever since the Super Bowls he lost, the first Super Bowls he lost against the Giants, including right. the perfect season. 
if you can hit Brady, if you're at his feet, if you're if you're in his face, he can make some mistakes and you can beat him. I mean, sure. that perfect season, that's what the Giants did in the Super Bowl. Yes. They had a stud defensive line and they got after Brady. And that's, mm-hmm. a, you know, we've known, I mean, any quarterback pretty much. It's not Brady alone. If you can if you can get in their face and at their feet and make them, you know, rush and have happy feet, you can beat them. And the 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 Rams have a defensive line and defensive unit that can do that, much like the Saints do, which is why they've dominated the the Bucks this season. Yeah, and I and I just think that you know they're going to have to try to find some balance, but they're also going to have to be patient. And and Brady, mm-hmm. um, if he if he needs to check the ball down now, who does he check it to? You know, if Ronald Jones is your running back, and I would imagine he's going to be your starter, not a good receiver. You know, this is the trouble they ran into. You know, does Gronkowski get open? Does Antonio Brown make a difference in this game? Because if Jalen Ramsey decides to double, or they decide to to cover up Mike Evans with Ramsey and maybe double another receiver, and you go three wide, I mean, you still got Chris Godwin, you still have Gronkowski. Somebody's going to get single coverage, although they'll play a lot of zone, and that's what I think is going to happen. What I think is going to happen is they're going to make them take the long way. You know, eight, eight, uh, ten play drives, um, twelve play drives, and you know, Bruce Arians don't doesn't like those. He's not patient enough, and that's. What happened against the Saints? You know, you, you have a couple three and outs. All of a sudden, your defense is put in a bad position. And, you know, Goff, you can get to Goff. You know, if you hit him, he will make mistakes. And he made mistakes out in Los Angeles. And I think they had a couple interceptions and a scoop and score by Ndamukong Su. But you know what? They still hung 40. 40. That was one of the worst games that Todd Bowles' defense played all year. And yet, they won the game 55-40, to 40, but it was not good um, in terms of all the chunks. And the other thing is you better tackle against these receivers. Guys like Robert Woods and those guys step out of tackles all the time. And when they do, they go to the house. They're really fast. And this this offense, because of all the motion, because of all the bootlegs and waggles, they put you in the position of a lot of one-on-one tackles. And you've got to get guys on the ground, you know. So it's. I think this is going to be the hardest game short of the same. I think the Saints and the Rams are obviously the, the, the two best teams in the NFC that the Bucks will probably play this year. And then they got to follow that up with Kansas City. And we know how good Kansas City is. We know how explosive they are. And even though the game's at Raymond James, um, you know, again, if you win these two games, you're right in the division hunt. You you have every reason to think you're going to take down the Saints, win one more game than them, what have you. If you split, well, you're probably in the wild card hunt and probably in a pretty good position for a wild card. That's not the way you want to get through to the Super Bowl. I don't think Tom Brady has ever done it that way. In fact, I'm sure he hasn't. Most of the time when he goes to the Super Bowl, he hosts the AFC Championship game or did with New England. Um, However, if your offense is hot and you get in the postseason, you'll take it. This team has not been there um, going on 13 years now. But if you were to lose both games, ho, 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 Katie, bar the door because, listen, the wheels could come off. And, you know, everybody says, well, you know, the season starts – after Thanksgiving, well, we're right there. You know, Thanksgiving is Thursday. And these guys are going to play two games in the next six days. And we're going to know what the 2020 Bucks are all about after these two weeks. And it are these two games. And it's going to be really fascinating um, to see them compete and to see just how well they do. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, if you're 7-5 and five after these two games, ooh, now it's tough. Granted, your season's last, not your, over. No, no, you and, and you're, you're helped by your last four games are two against the Falcons, the Lions, sure. and the Vikings, all teams with sure. losing records. That's right. That helps. 
But at that point, if you run the table on those four, now you're only eleven and five, and you say only eleven and five. But in the <laughs> It'd NFC, still be the best record in franchise yeah, history. It but, would yeah. be, but but in the <laughs> NFC, you're going to be the sixth seed. Maybe, yeah. I you mean, may not be fifth, yeah. You know, yeah. We start looking at the NFC West. Granted, they still have to play each other, but you know, Seattle, the Rams, and the Cardinals all at six and four or better. Right. Yeah, Packers yeah. have three losses, but I don't know how many more they're going to have. Um, yep. You know, so. It's uh, and and I'll tell you, we can talk about the Saints now if you want a little bit. Look, that that's an impressive team. I'm telling you, now Atlanta's not any good, but Atlanta's been better than they were. I mean, Matt Ryan was a hot quarterback until today, and they sacked them I think nine times, nine like nine times. I'm not, their right tackle for the Falcons was god awful. I mean, he was involved in almost every sack, but they didn't give him any help either. So schematically, I don't know what Dirk Cutter was thinking. But it was a really bad game. And, you know, they start Taysom Hill, which we can start. You know, that's that was the big news, right, during the week, that Jameis Winston wasn't going to get the nod. And you know what? I completely get it. I completely get it. I got it before the game when John Payton tried to explain it. Basically, it's this. He's fascinated with this guy. And that's why he's on the football team. And they just signed him to a two-year, $21 million contract with $16 million guaranteed. And they didn't do that just so he could run down on special teams or play fullback. Um, or occasionally tight end. They did it because he wants to see and wanted, has wanted to see what Taysom Hill could do at quarterback. I mean, this guy is yoked up. He can run like crazy. And he has, com- and, I mean, you know, Sean Payton has compared him to Steve Young uh, in terms of his, you know, multi dimensional threat. And they, they did. They ran power with him. They, they used him as a, like a running back at times, only from the quarterback position. But you know what? He's a playmaker, and he's good. And he, he rushed for two touchdowns. He threw the ball well enough. You he know? had a touchdown called back, a long one. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, he had a couple big plays called back for penalties. He did that. He, he made did with his arm. Right. He can throw it. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's and the other thing is, I think, and this is Peyton. If you know anything about Peyton, right? He's the smartest play caller on earth. Just ask him. And I think that Sean Peyton, in in the worst way, wanted to have this offense that he has not run in New Orleans, that no one has really seen, which is why he didn't want to announce who his quarterback was. But it's just the evolution of what what Peyton can do if you give him certain kinds of players. And, and, you know, Hill is such a Swiss Army knife that he can really try a lot of different things and did and was very successful at it. So I think think Peyton was the curiosity, um, the fact that they had invested in this guy, and just knowing, you know, what a gamer he is. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he lays it on the line when he's out there. So, also thought, I thought Peyton Winston called in. a good game too. I thought, oh, he did. You he's know, smart. particularly the the first couple of possessions, it was plays to get him in a rhythm and a yes. routine. Yeah, simple throws. I mean, just what you're supposed to do as a play caller. That's right. Is, is putting yeah. your team in a position to succeed. You have a first time starting quarterback mm-hmm. who has who's thrown what twenty passes going in. You know, through yeah. four or five seasons before today. Right and and got him some easy throws early to get him in mm-hmm. the game. I mean, I, I think too many coaches don't do that. They they're they're trying for the jugular early or you know just trying to to do crazy things. And it's like you know, particularly if you've got young players, is is run easy stuff early and, and get a get rhythm, rhythm. go. Yeah. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I see that in college all the time where you're you're going, what are you calling? Right. Right. You know, you're just sitting there going, how do you expect that to succeed? You know, right. I, I, you know, saying that, look, I thought Byron Leftwich had a horrible game against the Saints and, and the oh, whole no team doubt. did. But I mean, 
every play they're at Brady's feet or hitting him, and every route is 15 yards or more. It's like, yeah. what do you want hold Brady the ball, to do? I mean, hold the ball, hold the ball. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, he couldn't. I mean, the, the routes were designed that way. It was like, you know, yeah. you, you weren't you, – you knew they had a pass rush. You didn't give him any options short. It was, you know, right. I, I don't some, – sometimes you have to adjust your game plan to what the defense is doing too. And that's Absolutely how that's how you, you soften them up to do what you want to do. Oh, you better, uh, and that's the thing. You you better like morph into something that can combat whatever they're trying to do. And um, they didn't do it against the Saints. I think they're they're facing a defense that's very similar, and they're going to come out and do the same things because Bucks have not proven that they can beat it. You know, I mean Brady, for better or worse, seems to be you know a, a much better quarterback in man coverage, and um, you know this is this is probably going to be too deep most most of the game. So he's going to have to have some some targets underneath and take take what they give you and like I said they're they're choosing the slow death but um this is going to be a hell of a game and listen they have to play better than they have on national TV I can't fathom them playing any worse because that was the worst game I've ever seen them play in in many many years on Monday night football or I guess it was Sunday night football um the last time out against the Saints but these these franchises, I mean, think about the games these guys have played uh, over the years. And, of course, they were in St. Louis for a few years, as we all know the Rams were. But before that, going all the way back to Jack Youngblood, right, um, the 9 to nothing NFC Championship game that the Bucks lost. Uh, then they came back, I think, the next year and had a rematch. And it was on Thursday night football, but it was Howard Cosell and those guys. And uh, Doug Williams wound up scoring, I think, uh, late in the game from a yard out to win like 10-9 or something. Um, there's been some epic ones. And, of course, uh, who can forget the NFC Championship game? The Bucks were going to win that game 6-5, to five, which included a, a, a snap punt through the end zone um, on, for a safety uh, for the Rams. But with four minutes and 44 seconds, rookie Prohl um, has a touchdown reception. And then that led to the Bucks coming back down the field with Sean King. Remember the Bird Emanuel rule? Um, where he appeared to catch the ball, and all of a sudden they reviewed it. God knows why. Nobody understood what they were doing and said that the ball partially hit the, the, the ground uh, as he was making the catch, and that changed what a definition of a catch was to where no one knows what it is now anymore on that day. And then, you know, they played a Monday night game the next season, which was a shootout. I think it was 38-35. The Bucks won that one. So they've been involved in a lot of huge games, and, and there's – for both teams, this is really, really big because, you know, the Bucks want to keep pace with the Saints and, you know, certainly the Rams want to keep pace with, with a Seattle that knocked off the Cardinals. So um, I am I think it's going to be entertaining as hell. And uh, like I said, the, the coaches are going to have to really have a good game plan that these guys can execute against this particular Rams team and make some plays early. You know, you, you have to start fast. Here's a stat I can't believe, Steve. I and this is true, apparently. I've looked it up uh, several times. Sean Payton, who, you know, this is his fourth year with the Rams. and you know, was, Sean McVay, kind of, you mean Sean McVay. Or McVay, I'm sorry, I said Payton. Sean McVay, yeah, fourth year with the Rams and, and sort of a savant. I mean, he started at age 30 or what have you um, as the head coach. He has never lost a game in his head coaching career that he, mm-hmm. has, that he has led at halftime. Mm-hmm. Think about that. So we always say, well, it's a 60-minute game. Not against the Rams. Now, what that means is, because I asked Bruce Arians about this, he goes, he goes, his mind is incredible. He, and, and we know he has this photographic memory, right? He can recite plays and down and distances and, and right or left hash mark, right, from four or five years ago. So his recall is so good that the adjustments that they make as a coaching staff on the Rams at halftime is second to none. 
And so you better you better go into the locker room with a lead, uh, or it may be too late. I mean, it's just unbelievable. He's never lost a game he led at halftime. Either that or you better be prepared to change everything you're doing at the half to right. give them something they, they're not ready for. Yeah, you better make an adjustment. And I don't think the Bucks have done a very good job in making adjustments this year. So the coaching staff is going to be pressed for sure. Uh, and then, of course, they tried the night practices and all those things. So we'll see if that makes, uh, makes any sense. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Weird weekend in college football. Um, I'll tell you what, it was an entertaining game. They got way behind, but they came back. The Ohio State-Indiana game was very entertaining. And to the point where Indiana had a chance to tie it up. If it wasn't a pick um, six, that's a tie game. It's going to overtime. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Really, really would have been in. And uh, they had several plays, you know, where they fumbled inside the five, mm-hmm. I think. And they had an interception that they fumbled back. And Indiana had its chances, but they, they let Ohio State have a little too many. And, uh, you know, the Buckeyes took advantage of it. And they're a very good football team. But, um, you know, you got to credit. Like what what Alan, what Tom Allen has done is is really incredible. His kids play hard. Um, they don't they, even though they were down three touchdowns, I think at halftime at three or four. Um, they yeah, I think it was twenty eight seven at the half. It was yeah forty two twenty one after the pick six. Right, right. In, you know, in the second half. So yeah, and there they were down by seven. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. they had a chance, and so um, good good entertaining uh, football game was that one. The big news uh, in the state of Florida was Clemson, Florida State, canceled. Clemson flew all the way down here. turned out that the girlfriend of one of their backup offensive linemen had COVID. They tested him, uh, and then it wasn't until he got home, he got to to Tallahassee um, or thereabouts, that they learned that he was positive. And Florida State said, "Uh uh-uh, we're not playing him. You know, he's Uh been exposed to all the players on their team, and we have to take precautions. It's certainly well within the rights to do that, but Dabo Sweeney now has kind of laid down the gauntlet and said, "Oh, these guys just didn't want to play us." Might, both can be true at the same time, right? <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, why would we want to play? You're going to beat our brains in. But having said that, you got COVID. I mean, we can't. You know, on the one hand, you're doing everything you can to protect student athletes too. And, and how are you supposed to say, "Ah, it's one guy. It might be some risk. Whatever. Just go. Just go play." You know, well, but I, if they found out his girlfriend, why is he even on the trip? I don't know. I mean, at that less. point, at that point, you leave him behind. Yeah, he's a backup. Def- I, mean, I don't care if he's a starter. I don't care if he's a starter. You leave that him too. behind. Yeah, because you don't want to expose the whole team if he's got. No, it. no, it's stupid. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, who's running this program up there? You know, at Clemson. I mean, I, I get Dabo. what Dabo's trying to do is you know whatever. But why'd you bring him on the trip? I don't care if it was Trevor Lawrence. Right. I mean, you know, because. Quite frankly, on the airplane and everything else you're doing in Tallahassee for the, at the hotel and everything else, the whole team may have COVID now. They could. They could. They could end up canceling more games. And I guess Trevor Lawrence may not because he's already had it. So you know, assuming that there is immunity to it short term, right? But, right. But yeah, I I don't. 
as soon as you found out his girlfriend had it, why is he even there? Yeah, he should have been in isolation and shouldn't have been on the trip. Yeah, it's a great question. It really is. Uh, there, there were some other good college football games, though, uh, in lieu of that. Michigan. Well, how many, how many overtimes did you need to beat Greg Schiano? Uh, three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, that was a tough one for, uh, for Rutgers, but Michigan gets the win. Well, they both missed uh, a field goal in the second overtime, so. Yeah, they did. Um, or was that the first? I, I lose track, but yeah. But yeah, Shano says we're just not ready. I'll tell you, Rutgers played a good game. I, I, look, those you know, we've talked about how USF you know is playing hard, and you know is is you know hasn't given up and everything else. You see that in Rutgers, man. That team believes. That team is playing hard, and the, you know they're one in three now, one in four. Um, but there's no quit in that team, and that, I mean it's it's a prototypical Greg Schiano type team. I mean Always. the way they're playing, and and yeah. You know, he that's what he did at Rutgers the first time around, and he's already got that team in that same mindset right now. And and yeah. you know, he'll he'll do fine there. I mean, I don't know, you know, I don't think he'll win a Big Ten championship. Of course, I don't think anybody will as long as Ohio State's doing what they're doing. Ugh. And, you know, they're in the same division. But yeah, you know, I mean Greg Shiano will be successful at Rutgers as far as what success at Rutgers equates well, to looks you know, like, winning records yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, he'll be he'll get him there. I mean, that's that's the type of coach he is. He I mean Back he's a good coach. Team. He wasn't a good coach in the pros. Right, because um, he was trying to coach it like a college team. Yeah, I think he had he struggled with that. I think he he um, he really did. There was a little too much college, and and you know when you get to the NFL, of course, you know these some some players make more money, a lot more money than you do, and um, you know they're they're not, you know they're all a brand. They all want. They mm-hmm. all need to get the ball. They all need to be productive, and and if you're, you know not helping them do that, they're going to tune you out. They're going to tune out all that college stuff. And, um, you know, it was just a weird time. I mean, I don't think it was Greg's fault, all of it. But, um, no, it you, know, you had Josh Freeman had issues off, on and off the field. You had COVID, you had not COVID, you had MRSA. You had a bunch of stuff, mm-hmm. man, that was just not going well. But the biggest thing was his adjustment to the NFL was difficult. And he tried to do things the way he did at Rutgers. And, you can't. You're going to have to adapt or die. And, you know, he did not adapt to the NFL game very well in terms of, you know, how to how to treat and, and talk to and motivate guys that, you know, have been in the NFL sometimes for 10 or 12 years. And, um, you know, it's uh, it was tough to get a buy-in from that group, but um, they weren't the most talented team either, let's be honest. It wasn't like – it wasn't all coaching in that in that circumstance, but – um, that that was a hell of a college game. Also, some other games. Florida won big, of course. Yeah, F- Florida. Of course, they they took them a little while to get going, but they finally yep. pulled away from Vanderbilt. How about your Cincinnati Bearcats? Was that was a hell of a game with UCF. Right? It was. They got down early, a couple fumbled punts, and all of a sudden we're down what fourteen three early and not playing very well. And then they kind of turned it around, and um, yeah. that was a great game. I mean, Cincinnati. I saw Matt Baker has them fifth on his AP ballot. Yes, he um, does. I think they're still what still seventh or whatever. Yeah. Um, but you know, them and BYU, I, you know, as teams are going to start knocking each other off and championship games are played and this, that, and the other, if, if both BYU and Cincinnati keep winning, I think they're got to be considered for the playoffs in this year and this crazy year. Yeah. Well, I think they will be. And, um, you know, they might need some help from somebody, but, um, I, I think they're, they're right there. And, you know, that, that was a, that was a good game to watch and an entertaining game. Florida, you know, central Florida played well. 
mm-hmm. uh, especially on offense, and made a lot of plays. And the bounce house was, you know, was bouncing with whatever fans they had there. But uh, it was a good weekend for college football. It was my uh, yeah, my wife's Wisconsin Badgers? Woof, that was a horrible game. Them and Northwestern, of course, play so similar um, that you know I think <laughs> I think Northwestern is is uh, three and three in the last six games against Wisconsin, but. Um, all the turnovers, Wisconsin looked horrible. They couldn't get a first down. Um, they were just, just, just terrible. And Northwestern took it to them and mm-hmm. won the ball game. The five turnovers they, for Wisconsin, which yeah, you just don't yeah, see a Wisconsin team awful. do. Their receivers couldn't get any separation. It was really interesting. It was like he, you know, the quarterback really didn't have Mertz didn't really have many much time to throw, but he also didn't have anybody open. Um, so yeah, that was a. There was a time when I thought, well, Wisconsin might give Ohio State a really good game. They still could, but. Um, after watching that debacle, and um, on the other hand, Northwestern is playing pretty well, and you know, um, you can knock off Wisconsin though as thoroughly as they did. You can hope that you can, you know, beat somebody else that's uh, really good in the, in, uh, in the Big Ten. So, fun fun weekend of college football. We also had just a little bit of uh, of Rays news, I guess. Um, they came out with the forty man roster. They had to add a, boy, they added a few prospects that they want to protect yeah. from Rule Five draft coming up. So yeah. you had to add. You had, I think they added three or four guys to the forty man roster, which right. meant they had to take a couple Watch off. They somebody. were they were one or two short already, so they didn't have to take as many off as they added. But um, yeah. uh, Brian O'Grady, a utility guy that hasn't really right. played, um, he was designated for assignment. As was Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro, yeah. How about that? I mean, just never got it going with the home runs. Uh, certainly didn't hit for average and had a lot of strikeouts, and it all adds up to thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> yeah, what do you hit? Yeah. Uh, I think you hit, what, 163 this year or yeah, something? Yeah, it's horrible. Or 156. Yeah. I'm sorry, 156. Mm. Five doubles, eight home runs, 22 RBI. I um, mean, they thought they could at least count on the home runs, right? Even if he didn't hit 200. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, it's kind of like the whole, you know, you name it, Mike Zanino. Yeah, a lot of these guys. You're just hoping they run into some occasionally. And, sure, sure. You know, but at the levels that he was doing it, and he's 28 years old, but you're just going, man. You know, you just 42 games, and he had eight home runs and batted 156. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I don't think I think they had higher hopes for him. I don't think this, you know, was their plan necessarily. You know, unlike the Cardinals trade where they got Jose Martinez, who they hoped would do well, but Randy Rosarino was the piece they really wanted. Um, sure. I think they expected more out of Renfro, and and so after one year, he's designated for assignment. Yeah, and they certainly have done that with with power hitters that had better years than Hunter Renfro for sure. And finally, we are the South. How about the Toronto Raptors are coming to play their home games at Amelie Arena in Tampa? Isn't that something? We you know, there, there's now an NBA team as well as. The other three major sports. So, is there a chance we could have all four titles in this town in one calendar <laughs> yes. year? I mean, yes, there is. You know, although the Rays didn't win it, I guess. I guess yeah, played the in the American championship. championship. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But maybe conference championship. I mean, you know, the Bucks have a shot at it, and then you know the Raptors Absolutely. are a pretty good team. Although Serge Ibaka just left for the Clippers from them, but yeah, um, but yeah, good team. They're going to play here probably at least till March, mid March, maybe, maybe longer. Uh, the NBA is mm-hmm. looking to start December twenty second. Uh, the Canadian border is still closed, which means teams can't go back and forth. Much like the Blue Jays played in Buffalo for baseball this year, the Raptors needed some place to play. So why wouldn't you come to Florida if you're going to right. be playing games in December, January, February? 
you know, don't go to Buffalo or something, you know, go south. So right. they're going to play at Amelie Arena. Uh, at this point, it's it's undetermined whether there'll be fans in the stands and tickets in that. So that's all still being worked out between the Raptors, the league, Amelie Arena, the city of Tampa, state of Florida, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there'll be an NBA team for at least part of a season this year, if not longer. Now, we expect as soon as the Canadian borders open and teams can go back and forth that they'll go back to Toronto. So there's right. no, we don't know when this will, as far as end or so to speak, or when they'll head back. But you know, could be a few months, could be the whole season. Who knows? I wonder if Drake's going to come down. <laughs> well, we'll, well I guess you got to have fans in the stands first. You got to have fans, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. Well, you know, all this time, uh, Rays fans are fearful that they may have to share the Rays with Canada. Well, guess mm-hmm. what? Canada is now sharing their NBA <laughs> team. Oh, and not know. happy about it. Did you see the tweet by the mayor? I think if it was a Toronto's mayor or somebody up there said, "Hey, don't don't think you're taking our our Raptors, <laughs> Tampa Bay or something like that." I didn't see that one, but oh, and, and yeah, Tropicana was, Field's was. got a new tenant too. The WWE is now, yeah, uh, going to be doing uh, the Thunderdome there. Uh, so they've been taping all their stuff without without fans in Orlando right. at the Amway Center. Well, now right. the Amway Center's got to be used for basketball because the NBA is mm-hmm. getting set to start up. So. The yeah. uh, WWE is now moving their their Thunderdome set up and recorded set up to Tropicana Field for at least a few months mm-hmm. um, because obviously Tropicana Field is not being used at this time. So, um, and they, like this, the Florida is very keen on them doing it here and very friendly for it. So they're moving to Tropicana Field to where WWE. Uh, I'm not sure when that starts as far as when they're moving over, but so WWE will be in town too. Just more winning for Tampa in 2020. Who says we can't have nice things, right? All right, tomorrow we'll break down the Monday night football game between the Rams and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Myself, Joey Knight, will do that for you. Uh, And, hey, folks, remember now, go see our friends at Old Northeast Jewelers. They have two locations. You know the original one on 4th Street has been there forever in St. Petersburg. Well, now they have a brand-new store, just gorgeous, in Hyde Park. The address is 1607 West Swan Avenue there in Hyde Park Village in Tampa. Um, now, don't forget that uh, Old Northeast Jewelers has online consultations and free delivery to your door uh, for jewelry, for rings, for luxury watches, anything you need. And if you need money for the holidays, and who doesn't, right? Old Northeast Jewelers is always buying fine jewelry and luxury, luxury watches, and you can trade in a, uh, a timepiece for something new. So uh, make sure you go see our, our friends at the 4th Street location or check out Old Northeast Jewelers at their new location in Hyde Park, 1607 West Swan Avenue. For Steve Burstnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great Monday, everybody.